Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Security Student Podcast. Travis Lashock here for this 23rd episode. This will be more of a solo cast, looking back at some recent episodes and recapping on some of the big ideas that came out of those conversations, and then also some miscellaneous updates. So let's kick things off. One thing that I wanted to talk about before we jump into things was just to mark one milestone for the podcast. So this is the podcast one year anniversary. So that means this is the 23rd episode. So 22 episodes published, just over 2300 downloads. So I'm pretty stoked for that. And one interesting thing I stumbled across on Reddit, which you might find interesting if you're also considering starting a podcast, was this. So check this out. So according to this article, 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three. So that's 1.8 million who quit. And of the 200,000 left, 90% of them quit after 20 episodes. So that's another 180,000 people that are gone that quit. So to be in the top 1% of podcasts in the world, all you need to do is publish 21 episodes of your podcast. So for those of you out there that are also interested in podcasting, that's just one interesting bit of motivation from Reddit and some some of the podcasters on there. All right, so starting with our look back at past episodes and some of the big ideas, I'm just going to go in chronological order, starting with episode number 21, Employment Termination Strategies or Involuntary Separation Strategies with Sean Ahrens. So a couple big ideas that I wanted to recap from that episode. So that episode was not, um, it didn't follow the standard flow, just interviewing the person and learning about their career. Rather, it focused on one topic. And let's go over a couple big ideas from that episode that I think also translate broadly across across different security projects that we might work on. So first, Sean mentioned that we need to emphasize planning and proactive actions. So when we think about the context of involuntary separation and terminations, Planning is huge, and planning starts, one, with developing policies internally, having the right process. Two, it means also training staff. So for any managers that have any role in the separation or termination process, they definitely need to be trained on what to do and especially what not to do. So some big things that they should look out for during the process. And then two is just thinking proactively because there's so many phases of the termination process, everything from conducting an investigation initially into how we are going to talk to that employee or talk to other employees, how we're going to guide the conversation when we do have that con- that conversation with the employee. And then everything, including the design and layout of the room that the termination is conducted in. If it's even conducted on campus, of course, there's going to be instances where we want to do it virtually because perhaps the person is such a significant threat that we can't afford to invite them into our standard workplace. And then all the way through 
any type of monitoring post-termination and the termination conversation itself in providing them additional resources and looking out for them. So planning and proactive actions is huge. And then the next big idea that came out of that conversation was the need to treat people with humanity and empathy in the context of terminations. So really look, really trying to think through how do my actions as a manager or whoever I am on the organization side that's doing the termination, how are my actions, how are my, how's my behavior being perceived? How do other employees that are not part of this process, how are they perceiving this conversation? So really trying to put yourself in the shoes of the person that's being separated so that you could understand things from their perspective. And that might be everything from how they turn in their how they turn in their work devices, whether they're walked out of the office by security, right? Because that could be something that's demeaning. Or if there's anything that kind of highlights that they're being involuntarily separated in front of their peers, maybe some of these aspects are things that we can avoid. So going back and thinking about all of these items from the perspective of the person that's leaving the organization so that you could have a better understanding of how they feel, how they might act in the future, and then really just to treat them the way that you would like to be treated. Going back one more episode to episode 20, that was us talking about violence prevention with Jameson Ritter. And one theme that I'd like to highlight here is that there's really no typical security path. So when we think about the context of us talking with Jameson, he his background in particular was going from the Air Force to working for a local police department where he got to uh, collaborate and work on projects with the Joint Terrorism Task Force to then working in corporate threat assessment and investigations. And speaking with him was not too different from many of the other people that I've interviewed, where their career paths have been really kind of all over the place. Like there's no linear point A to point B to point C to get into the roles that they're in. It just happened to be like these broad interests and these these broad career decisions that really got them on the path to where they are today. So there's really no standard path for security roles generally. Next, Jameson emphasized the value of networking. He talked about ATAP in particular, but of course that spans across everything. Like for example, I recently attended ISC West here in Las Vegas And the value of networking, especially when we think about tough economic times like there are currently, it just makes this so much more valuable because the economy and organizations are unpredictable. So it's always very useful to have a strong network out there to support you if you ever find yourself out of work unexpectedly or whether you just need support in the role that you're in today and you need some kind of specialized specialized support, specialized knowledge for handling a particular situation. Additionally, Jameson emphasized our need to design systems with the users in mind. So in his case in particular, he was talking about designing reporting systems in his organization so that if there's something like a workplace threat, there's pre-incident indicators discovered, it would be easy for 
users, for employees in the organization to report things like that anonymously. And really that spans across all aspects of the organization. It doesn't matter if it's security technology or HR technology. Really, the way that we ought to think about it, if we want to be successful in designing things, is that for end users, we want the right thing to do, probably whatever's written in the employee handbook and employee manual. We want those to be easy to do, and we want those to be highly visible. And then in contrast, for things that we don't want them to do, Ideally, we want them to be difficult and out of the way and kind of annoying. So really just like by making some things easier and some more things difficult, it's going to be easier to influence users to users and employees to do the right thing when it comes to following some of those internal processes or going along with any new changes. Moving on to episode 19, that's Security Consulting with Matthew Dimmick. And one thing that came out of that session was a theme that I've seen really going across most of the interviews I've done over the last year, which is that lifelong learning is a key factor in our success. I know it sounds so simple and so obvious, but really that's going to be a key factor in our success in nearly any role. For example, if I go on LinkedIn and I look at all of the profiles and pages and projects of people that I tend to admire, usually it's those people that are continual learners who are the most interesting people that you want to talk to when you have a challenge, when you need advice, even when you need to recruit someone for your organization. So lifelong learning, huge. Next, I really like this quote from my conversation with Matthew. And he said, he asked this question, he said, Is your web strong enough to catch the next opportunity that comes your way? And here he was talking about designing a mind map that really documents those areas where you're most competent and areas where you're continuing to progress. And it was really just a challenge for us to consider what areas we're weak in and where we need to get better. And actually about 30, probably about 60 days ago, I posted a mind map of my own on LinkedIn. And you can go check that out. I think it's highlighted on my profile if you click on it. So I kind of answered Matthew's challenge to create a mind map, document areas that are my strengths, areas where I'm weak, areas where I'm slowly getting better. And I think also for many of you, that could be pretty enlightening and really give you a visual of some of the items that you're aiming at when it comes to your professional development. And my final point from that same chat with Matthew, he said, don't be stingy with your knowledge. And actually, I'd add something something else to that. Don't be stingy with your knowledge and don't be stingy with the position that you find yourself in. So let me give one example of this. So when the pandemic kicked off, I don't know, about two years ago, one of my friends had started a new role. Essentially, he was a type of Intel manager that was working with the EP team. And he had a question that he shot over to me on LinkedIn. He's had something like, he asked, hey, do you have a template that I could use when it comes to gathering information from high net worth people? So really just understanding like broad risk factors that relate to them. And honestly, I didn't have anything like this. I reached out to one of my colleagues out there in Salt Lake City. He actually sent me some awesome 
PDFs that were templates for this exact same thing, which is essentially, hey, if I have to go start working with a new executive and this is someone I'm unfamiliar with, what information ought I collect up front so that I could do the best job possible? So it's things like that. And then also when it comes to not being stingy with your position. So my challenge out there for some of you is that if you find yourself in a position where you have the ability to bring in an intern or bring in a junior employee and they're highly competent and can support the organization, go out there and do it. Like think about those times where you were in a similar position, you kind of needed a helping hand. Maybe that was getting your very first security role. Maybe it was just getting an internship that you, that that person can put on their resume. So my challenge for you is that when you're in any of these positions and you have the ability to hire an intern or bring in outside support that's going to be beneficial for the organization and then two, have an incredible benefit for that other person in getting work experience, take advantage of that. Because honestly, for me, some of those opportunities where I had the ability to hire someone and give them their very first infosec or IT role, which is always the most difficult to get, or whether it's bringing in an intern who's going to go on and be able to do some great things just for having that one or two lines of experience on the resume with you. For me, having those opportunities has been far more enjoyable than many of the projects that I do day to day, just because I know I was able to have kind of a profound impact in my own small way when it comes to those career aspects. And now on to episode 18, which was talking about going from global intel to cyber threat intelligence with Robert Crapo. He highlighted one thing that I really like. He was talking about the growth mindset, and he said something to the effect of, you can grow beyond your specialized security domain. So for him in particular, for several years, he had been focused on the OSINT, investigations, global intel side, and then he had switched over to doing cyber threat intelligence. And I think it's easy for a lot of security practitioners to kind of pigeonhole themselves and to think in terms of there's this one specialized security domain that I know really well, and I'm just going to own that 100% and maybe even be intimidated by other security domains like information security, like compliance, like um, technology integrations. So I I think it's easy to be intimidated. But what Robert was saying is that we should just approach it with a growth mindset. And for those of you that are unfamiliar, essentially having a growth mindset means not thinking in thing not thinking about things in terms of them being concrete. So it's not that I'm not an information security person, or I'm bad at learning coding languages or any of these things. Really, the way to think about it is this is something that I haven't dedicated time to studying and to learning, such as information security. But with more practice and hard work, these are things that I could get better at. So that's the growth mindset in just a couple sentences. Next, episode number 17. So this was talking about building medical kits with Dr. Michael Gerges. And two very simple ideas, but ideas that I think are very impactful that came out of that conversation was, one, he recommended get really good at one algorithm. So he was talking about doing patient assessments, and his ideal is that we should get really good at doing one specific sequence for doing our patient assessments. 
just so we could get incredibly good at it so that we don't confuse it with other algorithms, other sequences for doing these assessments. So he says, get really good at one. And then next, and I think this applies to really any gear that we might be using in security, he says to stack your bag in the way that you're going to use it. So in the context of emergency medicine, it's stacking your bag in the way that you're going to do your assessments. So it's having your PPE handy. It's having the gear that you need for addressing a massive hemorrhage on top so that it's easily accessible because you're going to address something like a massive hemorrhage far before you're going to do something like check blood glucose or some of these other items. So get good at one algorithm and then stack your bag in the order that you're going to use it. Okay, three more episodes to mention. So in the next one, episode 16, this was How to Be a Remarkable Student with Dr. Nash Flores. The first big idea here was that project-based learning is ideal. And when I think back to some recent courses that I've done myself, I could definitely see how accurate this is. So to talk about one course, first I did the 40-hour basic course and then the advanced course through National Institute of Crime Prevention for the SEPTED designation. And while this course was 100% online, essentially many lecture videos to watch and resources to read, it also forced the users in the class, the the attendees to do several practical application projects. So for example, some of them were reading a schematic design and then making design recommendations there, or going out to an actual site in our community and then putting together a 20 or 30 slide presentation documenting different aspects of crime prevention that we saw, and then also negative elements that we observed in the environment. And it's doing simple projects like this combined with the lectures and the readings that really make the information stick in your mind. I have no doubt a year from now, if you asked me about tenets of SEPTED and to give you some examples that I would be able to say all of those. And a second point that came out of my discussion with Nash was this quote that came out of it. He said, don't take things personal. If you're successful, people are going to hate you and try to bring you down. So this is an interesting aspect, and I feel like it applies to all industries, definitely security industry in particular, where many people are sensitive, we have egos, and all of the other human flaws that we have. Of course, that's not all people, but this is just a very small, narrow group of people. But when you do have interactions with them, you may feel the same way. And the thing there to really understand is that the people you work with throughout your career are, they're not all angels. Some are, but also some are not. Uh, some people are motivated by ego, by gross self-interest, or similar agendas. So for young people that have, that have had less experiences like this before going into the workplace, it may be shocking or unexpected to them, but that's really just how the world works. And eventually you're going to have to learn to navigate your career around some of these different personalities. And that actually connects well with one of my very first interviews, which was with uh, Dean Cornelison from Scope Now, where he had mentioned the book 48 Laws of Power and understanding how, how people act politically in organizations. And the same author of 48 Laws also wrote a book called Mastery, where he dove into this topic a little bit 
deeper. And one of his recommendations was that when we come across people like this in the workplace that are motivated by a political agenda or their own self-interest, really his advice was just accept that that's how the person acts. Don't expect them to change. Just treat it like a game. You know that their default is to act in a specific way. So don't expect them to change. Otherwise, you're just going to, otherwise you're just going to be hitting your head against a wall. It's almost like playing a game where you know, well, this person's default is to act this way. So I'm really not going to worry my head about it. Continuing on to episode 15. So in this episode, we talked about supply chain security, career coaching, and more with Andrew Owlett. And one big thing that I took away from this conversation was that broad educational pursuits can reveal previously unknown career or business opportunities to you. So in talking with Andrew, he had actually read a lot of the same career and entrepreneurial business type books as me. And I suspect that's where he got the idea for doing his own career coaching on the side and his other and other projects that he's engaged in. So I think simply by just exposing ourselves to new information outside of our typical work domain like security by listening to business podcasts or listen or reading something like Tim Ferriss or Malcolm Gladwell. Reading from some of these authors that are talking about broad topics can really just give us more ideas for some of our professional pursuits. And then the last episode that I wanted to talk about was episode number 14. So that was Information Security and Creative Security Pursuits with Dr. Michael Bayaki. And the biggest idea... The biggest, most important idea that came out of this conversation was around creative, was around creative professional projects. And Michael's advice was that you need to throw yourself into some type of creative professional project because there's a low barrier to entry. It gives you the opportunity to further develop your skills, develop your network, develop prowess in so many areas. And to connect this to a previous idea, when we think about the state of the economy being in a recession or depression or what have you, the ability to have creative projects to point to when you're in your job search or really those just helping you further develop your network, I only see those as being more and more important during tough economic times. And to give some examples, at least in Michael's case, he had developed courses on Udemy and he'd actually developed some of the most some of the most watched uh, cybersecurity awareness videos on Udemy. I think with 20,000 or maybe it was 120,000 plus views. So it's engaging in projects like that or it could be something as simple as a podcast or contributing articles or contributing to a board or the creation of standards. Really it could be any number of things, but each of these items forces us to grow our network to further develop our skills, and learn about different aspects of the industries that we work in. And that's all I've got today. Um, In other news, I will likely be setting up a Patreon or similar in the very near future. So look out for that if you want to donate some money to the podcast to cover some of my expenses for, for WordPress or Buzzsprout or ConvertKit or any of these number or 
Camtasia or any number of software platforms that I use for conducting the podcast, feel free to do so there. And I'll probably send out an email with a link and then mention it in the show notes as well as the next episode once that Patreon or similar page is up and you'd like to contribute. Also, even if you don't want to contribute in any type of financial way, you can also contribute by writing a review on Apple or Spotify podcast, which I would be very grateful for. I think we're up to seven or 10 reviews on Apple. So please keep them coming. I'm very grateful. Thank you. And that concludes today's episode. Remember, show notes from today's chat can be found online at thesecuritystudent.com which includes a transcript, links to resources mentioned, and a quick summary of big ideas we touched on today. Final note, if you're finding my podcast useful and you want to help me in a very meaningful way, please go to the Apple Podcasts app and write a quick review stating why you love the podcast.